Welcome back to the podcast, Real Talks, where today we will be talking about who decides social norms and why. And today I have Kat and I have Daniel with me today. So just to give you guys some context, the definition of social norms according to Webster Dictionary is a pattern or trait taken to be typically in the behavior of a social group. And so this can differ from culture to culture, and it depends from group to group. So I'm going to hand it off to Daniel, and he'll give you more on that. Yeah, so I have a source, uh, an article from UNICEF titled Defining Social Norms and Related Concepts. And it mainly just um, goes over the, not only the definition of social norms, but the role they play in which society, and the role which they play in society. And the main um, gist of this UNICEF article is that social norms are perceived unwritten rules that define what actions we deem appropriate within a society. And I kind of, I mostly agree with this in the sense that I think it's interesting how they brought up the fact that they're perceived and they're not just rules that everybody knows. It's each individual person um, perceives these rules differently and thinks um, what might be acceptable different than the next person next to them. So I was wondering what you guys, what your guys' take on this is. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, social norms are often, like, informal and mostly unwritten. So there's something I, I really find interesting about that is, like, why are they unwritten? I, I find because, like, sometimes cultures or groups don't want their social norms to be written. Because when you put them in writing, they don't sound, like, as desirable. And they don't have, like, such a positive connotation. So social norms are, can be positive. They can also be negative, mostly negative. And that's something I find really interesting. I disagree with you, Robitus. I think you're a little off with social norms not being written because of laws. I feel as if laws are also based off our morals as people. We grow up with morals. We have the instinct to not kill people, to not steal. And that follows us through laws, which our government puts in place. And that affects um, the children of today with um, how, what you learn in school and how those morals and laws are taught to you in school. And I know, Robinus, you have this topic, so you should, you know, explain about yeah. the children. Okay, yeah. So, like, I looked into a, a study, and they talked about uh, really just conformity to peer pressure and preschool children. And so this study really talks about who decides the social norms. And so... Um, it really goes down to like the really the makeup and demographic of the group itself. Who's in the majority and who's in the minority? And the majority tends to be making the roles. And so what I found really interesting is the children had to identify what uh, certain objects were. And then uh, they said this to the researchers by themselves. And they said one thing, and when they were in the minority and confronted by a group that opposed them of same children, they said something different. But the thing is, their opinion actually didn't change, but they were just putting up a, like a front that they believed this thing. And so later in the study, it talks about how children conformed because of ultimately pressure and punishment. And the punishment was never going to be physical, which I found really interesting. So why did they 
um, mm-hmm. go into the social, why did they decide to like uh, lean into the social norms? Because there's also an emotional and there's also a social impact that happens. And it seems like having your image is something that's inbuilt in someone's biology. And it's really crucial to human survivals as we were hunter gatherers. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's a very interesting point, because when we originally uh, constructed this question, I I was doing research looking for a, a more straightforward answer as to who decides on these norms, like people of power, do they just choose what what's acceptable and what's not. And I think your source really opened my eyes to the fact that it's more of a, uh, a natural instinct, I guess. Um, with the fact that it's these young children. um, I think that shows that the perception of what is socially acceptable and what's not is is more of a question about uh, the history of humans and our our natural tendencies more than it is so uh, following the rules that are put in place that we learn as we grow up. And also, like, the thing is, like, this majority minority doesn't have to be actual, like, physically. It can be just, like, a perceived Mm -hmm. majority minority. So um, we also see that in, like, cancel culture and whatever, that, like, people can, like, make themselves seem like the majority on, like, social media and within technology when they're actually people that don't hold that opinion. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out other people will hold down their opinions. And these groups later feel unheard. And they give um, consequences later for society. And that's not only just peer pressure and public pressure, but just like societal pressure, like the pressure to want to fit in um, and conform to normality, which is basically blind obedience. Because even if you're the person who's right, just because the majority is following one certain answer, one certain decision or opinion, you begin to join them too, just to, you know, fit in. And this really coincides with the positives and negatives of this effect, with the theory that people overestimate positive outcomes and underestimate negative outcomes, especially when conforming to rules that they don't even personally support. And you see that a lot with um, politicians and how often people will trust their judgment despite the fact that that person might have a different opinion or a different type of way of living. Yeah. And, like, you also see this a lot in, like, historical events where, like, for example, in, like, um, during World War II in Germany, like, people are, are able to, like, put on, like, really coerce people and really, like, um, push people into believing something and um, ultimately they conform to the social norms of, like, hating a certain ethnicity, which is um, just horrible. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very strong example of the power that social norms can have over people because it's it's not a natural tendency for people to just hate a certain group of people for no specific reason and i think that example is one that shows um people who are perceiving that uh, a larger group of people are all believing in one certain thing and they believe that if everybody else believes in this, we must also. So I think that's a strong example of the power that social norms can have over what somebody 
thinks, believes, and how they act even. It's like the domino effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that also adds on to the fact that you can see this in a classroom setting. You can see this in an entire nation. And that's what really makes this interesting because this is really deep-rooted into who we are as human beings, whether it is even biological because that's how we respond to things. And, and you can even see that in babies. You know, one baby cries, the other baby starts crying. Once that yeah, baby starts crying, yeah, all the babies start crying, even if they don't have reason to and they didn't have any discomfort before. And that's just because, like what Robin has said, the dominoes effect where we all feel like we have to agree with each other to survive because that's how natural selection worked prior to when we didn't have all this technology and we didn't, you know, casually have grocery stores. When we were all hunter-gatherers, we had to survive, and the best way to survive was to stick with a group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely the most important aspect of this uh, research that we've done, is that it, it really isn't um, any set of laws or any sort, certain individual deciding these rules and what we all uh, think is acceptable. It's just a natural instinct for us as humans to follow the pack and sort of almost copy what we see everybody around us doing or what we even just think they're doing. So now that we established the definition and we established that majority, whether perceived or actual, makes the rules, now Ken has something to add to this. And with that being said, this has a lot of negative implications, even when it comes to voting or feeling like you have your own voice. At the end of the day, you really don't when the majority doesn't agree with you. And that's really a sad thing to see because it makes you feel like you can't live your own life. And at the end of the day, you might as well conform because it's not like you're going to get your way anyways. And we see this a lot, you know, especially with voting, you know, especially in our democracy, we can vote for in presidential elections at the end of the day when the electoral college votes, whatever the majority has wins, um, even if the people don't favor it. And that's like a really negative aspect of when majority rules and what happens then. Thank you for listening today. Um, come back for another podcast. Today we established who decided social norms. We established what they were and why people choose to abide by them. Thank you guys for listening to Real Talks. Thank you guys for listening to our podcast today. Hope you guys tune in for our next. Thanks.